are you out of your mind? He doesn't even sound like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> are you out of your mind? There we go. Christini Linguini. Mo money, mo problems. These are our nicknames. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be back. It's a delight to talk to you again on the podcast. Yes, you as well. Um, <laughs> as we record this, it is the final hours of Mo's birthday. You're right. So everybody, please wish Mo a belated birthday because this will come out in like a week. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, today was a pretty calm day. I'm excited to I'm gonna go out to dinner tomorrow with my boyfriend but it feels like even though I didn't do anything today I felt you know excited yeah a birthday's birthday I think that I really enjoy like the little surprises of being like oh I get like a happy birthday message or like I get Mm -hmm. like flowers or something like that yeah. As opposed to like the macro, mm-hmm. it's about the micro for me. Quality over quantity. Absolutely. Yeah, it's Gemini season. Mm-hmm. I guess it's summer now. Summer, 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 summer. summer. <laughs> yeah, we have our first summer movie of the season. Yeah, we do. A pretty classic pick as well. Yeah. This was requested by Olivia and Aurelia, so we're glad we could finally get to it. Yeah, this is one I was excited to do. Thank you for your patience. Thank you. Yeah, and for your rec. You have good taste, so I appreciate that. Yes. Today we are doing the 2003 classic What a Girl Wants. Have I told you guys how much I love Amanda Bynes? Because I think she is a comedy genius. And I'll be honest, after seeing this movie, I'm like, you've got range, okay? You can play the ingenue because you're charming as fuck. Yeah, I believe she was actually like 16 when they shot this. That's unfair. Yeah, because I think that she turned 17 like when it came out. Let me double check this info. Yes, she was 16 when they shot this in 2002. I did not look like that when I was 16. I was like... I'm wearing like a, a multicolored maxi skirt. I'm going to dye a strip of my hair. <laughs> Ping. Um, but I, yeah, I did not know how to like do my hair, do my makeup. So it always amazes me when I see people who are just like, you hear later, yeah, they were 15, they were 16 when they shot that. What? Well, I mean, that is the benefit of professional uh, styling. That's true. <laughs> but on to brighter things Colin Firth is also in this movie yes also charming I love that man so much he could literally play anything he could do anything uh I would follow him to the ends of the earth I really would Mm -hmm. I yeah I find him really charming I would say that Bridget Jones and this movie are when I was like okay Mm -hmm. Colin Firth Okay. Yeah. I was watching Mamma Mia the other day. Oh, my gosh. And it made me realize that that is the second movie that he's done where he has found out that he has potentially oh, a long-lost yeah. American daughter. <laughs> but in that one, he he's not the father, right? You, you don't know. You don't find out at the end either? Have you never seen Mamma Mia? I think – well, I know I have. I know I've seen it. But I guess it was okay. just a while ago because I know in the end – you find out one's gay. Yeah, he he's the one that's gay. Oh, but it's end. still potentially him. Yeah. Damn it. 
I should watch that movie again. In the end, they decide we're not going to find out. We're just all going to be your dads. That's so silly. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, I know who I think the dad is. Mm -hmm. I think the dad is Bill. Yeah, because that's the one that still has like some romantic flair. No, that's Sam. That's Pierce Brosnan. (laughs) Damn it. I need to watch this movie again. I've heard the soundtrack more Mm -hmm. than 100 times. And I can say that with confidence because I worked Mm -hmm. at a restaurant that would always play the entire fucking um, Mamma Mia soundtrack on Sunday consistently. So I've heard this soundtrack a multitude of times. I would recommend giving it a rewatch. It's a great summer movie. It's in Greece. Yeah. Meryl Streep. Uh, Amanda Seyfried's fine. <laughs> um, fine. But yeah, so that was the second movie of the type mm-hmm. for Mr. Colin Firth. Also in this movie, we have Oliver James. Uh, oh my God. I'm freaking out. He is so, this man is so sexy. When he sung the first time, I was like, oh my God. Pardon? Yeah. Pardon me? I don't even yeah. think I could keep my cool. No. If I had that happen to me. We were saying um before we hopped on mic that this is one of the few parts or this is one of the few Characters, boys where yeah. me and Mo's taste overlaps yeah. completely. Cuz you know, points for you, he's a musician. Mm-hmm. Um points for me, he's not white. Um Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do think he breaks your typical look of like um, a broomstick with a wig on it. What it was a fence post with a wig? Yeah, something like that. Because <laughs> he is—he's not skinny. He's just like—I mean, he's pretty like lean. Yeah, lean. That's the word. Yeah. On that note, we do have a new review. We do from Leah. Thank you so much for your review. We appreciate it so much. Yeah, we're super grateful you took the time out to write a little something, something. Yes. It's been a minute since we've been able to do a montage assignment, so I'm very excited. Me too. In your review, you mentioned that you like to listen during your nighttime routine, and we were like, oh, so you like have your shit together. You're like- Yeah, absolutely. I was like, okay. By the end of the night, I'm like not in my pajamas. The lights are off. I'm like, oh, I've I've crashed. I've crashed into bed again. So- We think that you just sound like you really have it together. You're doing good. You're doing well. And therefore, Mm -hmm. we had to pick Independent Woman by Destiny's Child. Oh, so good. Always makes me think of Charlie's Angels, which is just incredible, obviously. Just a badass. You're going for it. You're, you know, in the montage, like I picture you, you're like driving to work. You're getting stuff done. Mm -hmm. You build, you build, um, I don't know what's something you build. You like houses. Build, <laughs> you like build a shed in your backyard, and then you make Ooh. a table, and you're like wipe. You wipe the sweat off your brow, and you're like, ah, yeah, time to do my nighttime routine. Yeah, you make a delicious meal, like yes. a cocktail, and like, mm-hmm. yeah. So we hope that you listen to Independent Women today, and just enjoy enjoy the day, enjoy the day, enjoy the pod. Um, Enjoy your eye cream, you know, exactly. all the above. If you would like us to give you a 2000s movie montage song, then all you have to do is leave us a little written review on Apple Podcasts, yes. and then we will shout you out in the next episode. Before we dive in, we also just want to make sure that you're following us on social media. Mm-hmm. You can follow us on Instagram. It's Movies That Raised Us. You can follow us on Twitter. It's MTRU underscore pod. 
Yes, and you can follow us on TikTok. It's at Movies That Raised Us Pod. And we also do have an email, movies that raised us at gmail.com. We've been getting some more emails from you guys. Yeah. And we do read them. We do do the movies. Um, and if you have just any inquiries or feedback, you can be constructive. We could take it. Just email us. Yeah. <laughs> Christine was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As long as you're, like, friendly about it. If you're a friend of the pod, you can send us constructive criticism. Yeah. If you don't listen and then you're like, I'm just going to bash these girls, maybe don't send that. Yeah, maybe just go outside and touch some grass, you know? <laughs> and we also want to shout out our partners, Little Lady Baby. Yes, they are such a cool store. They have such a yes. groovy array of different clothing items. Very, very cute. You can click the link in our bio and that'll send you directly to their website. Yeah. Summer's coming. Get yourself some like oh, cool yeah. new tees. They have really cute sunglasses as well. So mm-hmm. you're definitely going to want to check that out. And not only are you supporting a women-owned business, you are supporting a women-owned podcast. We can continue to make yes. the content that you love. Let's dive in. Yes. The first moment of the movie, I still don't really understand. It is an animated, <laughs> like, CGI'd pan over New York City, and there's, like, an animated butterfly. It kind of looks like, um, not Roller Coaster Tycoon, but you know how there were, like, games like that where you could build a city? It kind of looks like that. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't played Roller Coaster Tycoon in so long. <laughs> but yeah, it does oddly look like that. I yeah. Neither here nor there. So pan into Daphne Reynolds. She was born and raised in NYC, and she lives with her mom in a fifth floor walk-up in Chinatown, which yes. if you did that today, I think would be pretty cool. Like people are oh, trying yeah. to move to Chinatown. Definitely. So she talks about how every year on her birthday – She always wished that her father would come. He would just show up. When he didn't, she would ask her mother to tell her the same story. And her mom tells her this amazing story about how Libby, the mother, was a cool singer who wanted to see the world. And then she met Henry in like – the deserts of Morocco. Yeah. Yeah. She like falls into like a sand dune yeah. and he saves her. He like turns times like, what? Yeah. And they fell madly in love and were married by the chief of a Bedouin tribe. And Henry brought her back to England to meet his family. But she wasn't really what they expected. And you see his family living in a palace. Yeah. And being very wealthy and of high status in England. When... Um, Henry's father died, there was even more pressure for her to be someone she wasn't. Yeah, because now he has the Lord title. Yes. Yeah. So she knew at that point that she had to leave him. And then a few months later, she got Daphne. Yeah. So then we flash forward to Libby telling the story once again to Daphne on her 15th birthday. Mm -hmm. And she looks at this picture of her father in Morocco says sweet dreams and kisses it and i didn't even notice this while watching it but they did put braces on amanda bynes and they made her wear them for like three weeks for this like two second shot of her wearing braces big waste of time that was yeah so then we flash forward again 
to Daphne's 17th birthday. She and her mom have to work. They are in the wedding circuit. Mm -hmm. So the mom sings in the wedding band and Daphne is a waitress. As the reception is going on, Libby is performing and the bride is crying about how her groom is missing and they just got married 20 minutes ago. (laughs) Rough. Yeah, she's freaking out. Daphne is serving the food when she trips over a guy's leg sticking out from under a table. Turns out it's the groom, Mm -hmm. absolutely shit-faced under the table. I'd be mad. I'd be so mad. Oh, I would be so pissed. So Daphne ends up grabbing a knife and chipping like the beak off of the ice sculpture swan Mm -hmm. and puts it in his shirt to like wake him up. Pretty bold move. Like, yeah, I thought that was a little like I was like, okay. Yeah, I don't understand that instinct. (laughs) Yeah, my ice instinct. (laughs) Yeah, so. The groom like screams and gets out from under the table and he's like shimbying around trying to get this icicle out of his shirt. And Daphne plays it off as him dancing and like the mom starts playing like scream and shout and Mm -hmm. she's like, yeah, it's a dance move and everyone joins in. They have a great time. She's like, you can tell they're setting her up to be really um, like thoughtful and charming and just like, yeah, kind of like street smart, I guess you could say. Yeah. Daphne runs into a former classmate of hers, Noelle, um, and she talks about how she's going to Duke in the fall and she's going to be pre-law. And she asks Daphne where she's going for college. And Daphne's like, the University of the Undecided. And she's like, is that in Ohio? Girl. Yeah, Undecided Ohio. (laughs) Pre-law. So Daphne rushes off while the father-daughter dance happens And she watches, sadly, as all the dads dance with their daughters. So after the reception, Daphne is cleaning up and Libby comes up to her and is like, I saw the look on your face Mm -hmm. during the father-daughter dance. I'd be bummed too. Yeah. And Daphne says that she can't help but think that she's never going to get to do that with her dad and tells her mom that, you know, she knows she's protecting her by not letting her meet him, but like it's really hard. And the mom says that she's just trying to keep her from getting hurt. Mm -hmm. And Daphne reminds her that she's the one that left him. And maybe he would have come after her if he knew that Daphne existed. Mm -hmm. And she feels like half of her is missing. And Libby says that getting to know somebody because they have the same DNA as you isn't the answer. If you feel like some of you is missing, it's because you need to get to know yourself. Totally. Yeah. That's so deep. I really like that. Me too. And then they have a sweet little moment where the mom says, I love you a million Swedish fish. And Daphne says, I love you a, a million red M&M's. <laughs> yeah, I love how close they are. It's clear that Libby really loves Daphne. Like she didn't miss out on any of the care she would have gotten from yeah. having a mom and a dad. I don't know if we mentioned this in the intro, but the mom is played by Kelly Preston, who very sadly passed away last year. Yes, rest in peace, Kelly Preston. Yeah. So back at home that evening, Daphne looks up her father on the internet, you know, Lord Henry Dashwood, and she packs her bags, decides to (laughs) leave in the morning. (laughs) Oh, my God. Are you just laughing at the audacity of, like, the situation? Yeah, and, like – Where did this – how do you suddenly have money to book a last-minute flight to London? London, baby. The next day? 
<laughs> well, I think out of JFK, it's actually not too bad to get to London. Right. But like a next day flight. Maybe she used kayak. <laughs> In 2003. <laughs> okay. Maybe she used Expedia. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she does it. And she. this is the part that I believe less than even the booking the next day thing. She hails a taxi and asks the taxi to take her to JFK. That's a really long taxi ride from Chinatown. I've done I've done it from the village before. A taxi? Yeah, it's a flat rate. Oh, I didn't know that. How much was it? I think it's $52 flat rate. Um, so it's usually cheaper than an Uber because if there's traffic, like you're going to get fucked. Holy shit. With an Uber. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, good to know. So I will be taking <laughs> yeah. a taxi to the airport should I need it. Yeah. Damn. Okay. <laughs> you learn something new every day. Yeah. In the morning, Libby realizes that Daphne isn't there. And Daphne, though, thank goodness, left a tape recording. Tape tape recorder with... I, I think it's it was an answering machine message. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Okay. This is how disconnected... <laughs> This is how disconnected I am to the thought of having a landline phone. <laughs> I my parents have have oh not God. had a landline phone in years. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was an answering machine, not a tape. I just thought that it sounded so like poor quality when they were playing the tape back, but I guess that's what answering yeah. machines sound like. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> so Libby listens to the answering machine <laughs> and, you know, the voicemail mm-hmm. that Daphne has left and um, how she has to write her own story and meet her father. So Daphne gets on that plane and goes to London, baby. Just up down in London town. <laughs> so she rides a double-decker bus, you know, sees all the sights. Eats fish and chips. She sees, like, punks in London. Oh, yeah. I I think that it's supposed to be Camden Market where she, like, sees all the punks. I don't Mm. really know. But, yeah, so she ends up at the Great Britain Grand Hotel. It starts raining as she runs in. It's filled with, like, all these cool young people. It, like, looks like a hostel kind of vibe. It does look like a hostel. Yeah. And then in the corner, she hears the beautiful voice of a man. Playing guitar and singing. Who could it be? She's drawn to him. She's intrigued. She walks over. He's like noodling around with the song. He's like, oh, that's not it. And she's like, I thought it sounded really good. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And she asks him if he's playing a Gibson J200. And he's like, are you a musician? And she's like, no, I live with one. And he's disappointed. She's like, my mom. And he's like, phew, she's not taken. <laughs> very forward. Yes. Very bold for a 17-year-old. Yes. As it turns out, he is the front desk receptionist and asks to like if he can check her in and like show her around. Then the TV turns on and it is a news report about Lord Henry Dashwood. Mm. Apparently, he's giving up his spot in the House of Lords to run for the election as a commoner. 
because he doesn't think that a birthright should mean that he has like a place he wants to be elected by the people. Oh. The news report also mentions that he's engaged to Glynis something. I don't remember her last name. Payne, I think. Yeah. And he will also, once they marry, inherit a stepdaughter, mm-hmm. Clarissa. I wonder what happened to her father. Yeah, I don't know. They never say, but I assume divorce. Oh, Oh, really? I I guess I just don't know because they make it seem like super uppity. So I'm like, would you have done a divorce? Is that allowed? I don't know. So Alistair is Henry's advisor and he talks about Henry's bid for this political position, member of parliament. And he's like, at first I doubted this decision, but now I see it's political dynamite. And Henry says, can't you see it's about doing the right thing? It doesn't have anything to do with like my social status. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alistair's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And goes on about his dad and the stuff that he did. So Glennis comes in to get Henry so that he can give his speech at the Oxfam ball. And they start to leave. As they're heading out, Glennis like stays behind and asks Alistair how he's doing. And Alistair's like, well, if he doesn't ruffle too many feathers, he could be the next prime minister. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, I believe that the position he's running for is just member of parliament, like MP. Mm-hmm. So then we cut back to Ian and Daphne who are walking along the bridge. And he's like, you came all this way. Like, you have to go meet your dad. But Daphne is like, no, obviously he has a new family now. And oh. like... They're so elegant and sophisticated. What would he want with me? And is like, you know what? Maybe I should just go home and let him get on with his life. And Ian kind of smirks at her and she's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) So Daphne hops on a bus and she goes to to her father's manor. (laughs) Clearly there's a guard there. And he's like, can I help you? And she says, no, thank you. And she walks away because... What she actually does is freaking climb up an ivy-colored wall (laughs) and, like, goes through some bushes and falls on her ass. (laughs) Yeah, just, you know, good old trespassing. Meanwhile, inside the manor, Glynis and Clarissa are having breakfast, talking about this lady who they have to go and meet And Clarissa is like, I thought since you were marrying Henry, we didn't have to try so hard to like maintain our social standing. And Glynis says that they're not getting married for another five weeks. So they have to keep up appearances until then. Meanwhile, Daphne has scaled this wall. She gets to the top, but her bag is stuck on the branches. So she like tries to get it free, pulls the bag, ends up toppling over herself, falling right on her ass. And Clarissa's like, I just saw a large bird fall (laughs) off the wall. Next, we see Daphne sneaking around the courtyard, just looking for a way in to um, Shanghai her father. So Glynis takes one bite of her eggs and is like, these eggs are positively glacial, and says that when she runs the house, senile servants will be the first thing to go. Mm, I don't like that. And Clarissa, like, makes a comment about, like, oh, good luck with that old bat, like, referencing Henry's mother. Oh, yeah. She's like, the old bat will never let that happen. Yeah. And then Henry's mother comes in 
And she's like, has anyone seen my racket? The old bat seems to have misplaced it. Yikes. Then Clarissa spots somebody running in the yard, a girl. Mm. And Henry, who has also entered at this point, is like, oh my god, the paparazzi, they're at it again. The freaking paparazzos. And he, you know, has them call security. Daphne is running around the yard when Henry apprehends her himself. He ends up bringing her inside and is kind of like going off on her like, what paper are you? Like, are you from the Sun? Are you from the Daily Mail? Like, when are you going to realize there's no story here? And then he actually looks at her and realizes how young she is. He's like, you can't be more than 17. And he tells her to just take her picture and go. Yeah, he's actually a pretty generous guy. Yeah. And she's like, I already have a picture Uh and hands him (laughs) the one of him in Morocco. Mm -hmm. He asks where she got it. And she says, from Libby, she wanted me to know what my father looked like. Oh, my gosh. And then shows him her birth certificate. And Henry is shocked. He's like, yeah. this must be an understanding. And Glennis is like, absolutely huge, big misunderstanding, huge. Yeah. This is a mistake. And Henry is really dumbfounded because I think he knows that it's not a mistake. Mm-hmm. She talks about how she had dreamt of this moment her whole life. Mm-hmm. This isn't really exactly how she thought it was going to go. Yeah. And like she should probably just leave. So she does make the decision to leave because like the reaction is not what Not great. Yeah. As she's going, Henry kind of has this realization and he's like, you've known all your life that I've existed, but like I didn't get a choice to know. Mm -hmm. Libby keeping this huge secret from me was like fucked up. Yeah. And Jocelyn says that he can't let Daphne go because there's this whole debate where like Glennis is like, oh, you can't like put up a young girl in a hotel like what will people be saying and then he's like oh well you'll stay here at the manor glennis is about to have a fucking heart attack absolutely henry glennis and clarissa are all talking while jocelyn henry's mother is showing daphne around the grounds and glennis is going on and on about how like before his career completely blows up, they should at least do like a background check on this girl. And Henry is like, she has the photo, the birth certificate, and she has my eyes. Like, this is my um, daughter. <laughs> I find him so endearing. Oh, yeah. And Glynis says that she's just thinking of him and wants to protect him and like the press can be brutal. And Clarissa makes a comment about how like Daphne is a love child. And Henry is like, well, she's not a love child because – me and Libby were married mm-hmm. unofficially, but I had planned to marry her officially when we came back to England, but she left me. Mm-hmm. Daphne is shown her bedroom by Jocelyn. It's insanely big. Yeah. Bigger than her entire New York apartment, pretty much. And then she tries to hug Lady <laughs> da- Lady Jocelyn Dashwood, <laughs> um, but she's like, no, I'm British. I only show affection to dogs and horses. But Daphne is like a wild, quirky American, so she hugs her anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So then Henry calls Libby, and she's like, is she there? Is Daphne safe? And he's like, yes, she's here. She's fine. And asks why she kept this from him. 
And she says that, you know, like, if you don't want her, you can just send her back if it's too much for your career. And he's like, it's not about that. It's the fact that I didn't know I had a daughter all this time. Mm -hmm. And Libby says that she was protecting Daphne from getting hurt. And he's like, what is that supposed to mean? And she's like, you should ask your advisors. You know, they seem to have looked out for you all these years. Yeah. The next day. Henry sips Alka-Seltzer. He's clearly having some sort of ulcer from this whole endeavor. <laughs> yeah. And his advisors talk about Daphne. You know, should we give the papers our story but spin it in our own way? They think about how they could say that Henry always knew her but didn't have a chance to actually spend meaningful time together. Mm-hmm. They're like, so Henry, you know, what do you think about Daphne? And he's like, oh, well, she's – very mature and well-mannered, you know, soft-spoken. <laughs> Meanwhile, Daphne is listening to her CD player, like, on blast, dancing around the entire manor, like, swinging yeah. her arms around wildly. Yeah, just being your mm-hmm. basic average 17-year-old American gal. So then we cut to Clarissa, who gets a phone call, and she's like, please be Armistead. Please be Armistead. Awful. And uh, it's not Armistead. (laughs) It's Ian. He is calling, asking for Daphne, and she's like, she's not here. There's actually no one here by that name. And he's like, okay, well, if you happen to see her, please tell her that Ian Wallace is trying to find her. And she's like, absolutely, hangs up. Not. Yeah, very rude just to tell her that he called. Yeah. If you don't want her to be on the guy you like, why don't you, you know, let her be with another guy? Exactly. Anyways, Henry is reading the newspaper in his study later that night when Daphne decides to give him a little visit. He asks her if she would be interested in accompanying him to the Royal Dress Show on Friday. He's like, you know, it's super dull. You're probably not interested. But there are people there that he has to impress. And Daphne's like a fashion show. Like Gwyneth and Madonna always go to those things. Yeah. And he's like, well, I don't know about all that, but I have to be there. And Glennis is using it to launch Clarissa on society. Clarissa is eavesdropping. (laughs) Um, Daphne says, you make her sound like a ship. And he's like, well, she's more like an intercontinental ballistic missile. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Clarissa is obviously very offended by this comment. And he asked Daphne if, you know, she could bear going to this event. And she's like, bear it? I mean, yeah, that'd that'd be cool. That'd be cool. (laughs) And she's about to leave when she remembers that she brought him a photo album of, you know, pictures of her growing up because she thought he might want to have it. And he thanks her. He's like, oh, yes, that's that's wonderful. That's that's splendid. Uh, thank, thank you. Thank you. This is a funny impression. <laughs> so she leaves and he opens the first page. It's like a baby picture of Daphne and Libby holding her. Yeah. And then he, he closes it and puts it down. He's not ready. He's not ready to accept this new fatherhood. Not yet. So in the morning, Daphne is about to go down for breakfast when Clarissa asks for advice and she's like, I can't pick an outfit for the dress show. And on her bed, she has some casual, like, you know, Louis Vuitton. Burberry. Like, Chanel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's like designer streetwear. (laughs) Yeah. 
I think she's like, is that like a Louis Vuitton tartan that you're wearing? Yeah. And she's like, obviously, like you have to wear something awesome to the royal dress show, turning up in pearls and a dress, and you might as well wear a sign saying, spot the planka. <laughs> <laughs> what are these phrases? Yeah. And Daphne thanks her for telling her. And she's like, what are stepsisters for? So Daphne helps her pick out an outfit and leaves the room. Siri, play sabotage. So then Ian rolls up to the manor. He asks to see Daphne, but the guard is like, do you have an appointment? He's like, no. And he's like, then step away from the gate. And he's like, she's my friend. Like, she wants to see me. And he's like, back up from the gate. And he's like, all right, chill out, mate. You don't own the place. (laughs) And walks away. He's clever. He's so hot. Oh, my God. He's just so clever and, like, cute and sexy and and funny and uh, smart and, you know, everything. You see men like that and you you can't help but think to yourself, like, there's just no hot men in my town. There's just (laughs) zero hot men in my high school. Oh, yeah. It was it was slim pickings slim. in my high school. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> As if I have a plethora Thank of men uh, at my disposal now. <laughs> oh my god! I just said there's no hot men in my town. My boyfriend's literally <laughs> <laughs> from my town. <laughs> oh my god! That's my bad. Yeah. Well, soon he'll be in. He'll be a New York boy. I know. So. I'm like, whoa. Am I ready to move in with my boyfriend? Who let me do this? <laughs> I mean, I would hope so since you signed the lease. <laughs> yeah, no, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I'm just like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. What did I get myself into? <laughs> this is 25, baby. <laughs> Ooh. You were saying? Um. <laughs> So before the fashion show, Daphne is getting ready and she sprays like some perfume that's just in the bathroom. In a giant perfume bottle. Yeah, yeah. It has one of those like squishy handle things. I don't know what it's called. Like a pump. Yeah. And um, I guess it smells bad. Yeah. Because she immediately regrets that decision and starts to turn on the tub and like wipe it off. But the shower head attachment just goes fucking crazy and is spraying water all over the room. Mm-hmm. Everyone is downstairs waiting to go. And Daphne like runs out in a robe, like with wet hair. And she's like, just like give me a couple minutes. I'll be ready in a couple minutes. <laughs> and Glennis is like, we need to go. Prince Charles, Will, and Harry are already there. <laughs> I'm like, never will anyone say those words to me. (laughs) No. Well, probably never will anyone say those words ever again because I don't know if those three men will really uh, be hanging out together. Very true. But, you know, they're already there. Henry is really hesitant to, like, leave without Daphne. Mm -hmm. And Clarissa's like, you know what? Why doesn't she just come along later? They're like, oh, yeah, I guess Percy can drive her. So then he reluctantly leaves with them. At the dress show – you know, the fashion show's happening. Yeah, this is where we see the Prince Charles, yeah. Harry, and William lookalikes. I actually think that the Prince Charles one is pretty spot on. Like, it's a quick shot, so it passes for Charles, like, pretty decently. <laughs> so, some some twats. Uh, <laughs> these guys are rating the models as they walk by on actual piece of paper, like, and showing it. So 
Clarissa does some shit talking as they wait for Daphne. Yeah. Then finally Daphne shows up, but they won't let her in because I guess it's like past the starting time. So she ends up sneaking through some backdoor entrance and back inside Clarissa's friends ask her about Daphne and Clarissa says she'll probably swing through on a vine and calls her barbaric. There's a lot of shit talking. Yeah. She calls her barbaric and she hopes that she doesn't embarrass her in front of Armistad, which is the guy who's like rating the models total jack off. Yeah. So Daphne is running around the building, like trying to get into the fashion show and she sees like some curtains. So she heads up to it Mm -hmm. and she's like, is this the fashion show? And the show runner is like, yeah, you're on. Bro. Shoves. (laughs) Yeah, you're on girlfriend. Get out there. Because she's wearing, but no, she's wearing like jeans and a tank top and a blazer and this hat, but she doesn't look like any of the other models. Like no, no. none of the other models are wearing jeans, but I digress. So she gets shoved out there. Everyone is like <gasps> clutching their pearls. Daphne is like, okay, time to improvise. So she takes <laughs> off her blazer and tosses her hat to Henry and like swings her blazer on her shoulder and is like doing the runway walk mm-hmm. um everybody is staring at her but she's killing it she looks cool as hell armistead and his shitty little friends they all give her tens 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 across the board yeah daphne at the end of the catwalk ends up tripping and falling off the runway into the lap of prince charles himself before she yes runs off yeah she did that yeah So after the fashion show, at the reception, Daphne comes up to Clarissa, and she calls her the evil stepsister, but she says that she's Cinderella, and Clarissa knows how the story ends, so she wins. Yeah. Daphne also notices a woman with a dog, and she just goes on over to play with the dog. The dog takes to her immediately. They have a great time together. And Henry sees this happening. He's like, oh, my God, she's causing another issue. (laughs) So he comes over, and it turns out this woman is Princess Charlotte. But she actually thinks Daphne is a total sweetheart, and she watches her play with the dog. Charlotte also talks with Daphne and asks if she's staying for the summer, and Henry says yes. So – After that, we cut back to Glynis, who is absolutely hating that people find Daphne endearing. And she goes over to complain to Alistair. And he's like, don't worry. She'll be going home soon, just like her mother. Yeah. This is also where we find out that Alistair is Glynis's father. Yeah. Because she says, daddy. Daddy. um, At her ripe old age of like 40-something probably pretty rancid to me but yeah he's like i'll get rid of her like i got rid of the last one so then in the dead of night henry goes down to the kitchen for a little midnight snack he sees daphne down there and it scares the shit out of him (laughs) she's just like sitting in the dark drinking milk like why wouldn't you turn on the light girl homie i don't know so he's like what are you doing down here She's like, I have jet lag and, you know, he couldn't sleep. And she's like, oh, were you thinking about how I, like, accosted the whole royal family today? (laughs) And he's like, well, actually, this is the first time I'd seen Princess Charlotte take a shine to anyone. 
and uh, no one normally goes near her dog because it ate one of Lord Barrett's testicles I don't last year. I ate was like, it? What? Like chew, 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 swallow? Yeah. At some point, you rip the dog off your testicle. Yeah. Why did the dog have access to your testicle? Was this over the pants? <laughs> it's a Yorkshire Terrier. It's not a big dog at all. It's a very, very tiny dog. It's a little furry dog. I don't understand how this happened. Mm-hmm. And she says like, oh my God, that's horrible. And he's like, no, what's horrible is that he's still procreating or something like that. (laughs) So Henry then pours himself some Cocoa Pops and Daphne is surprised because she had pegged him as like an all brand man. And he's like, these are strictly contraband. Glennis makes me eat that gravel in the morning. Why? What does he like about her? Yeah. Anything? Well, I think it's just... He's like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is the type of woman Uh, that I'm supposed to marry type of thing. What's the type? Annoying and boring? A society lady. I don't know. I feel like, I'm like, had they even had sex? Oh my God, with her father living in the same place as them too? It just seems like there's absolutely no... Affection, chemistry. Romantic or sexual chemistry at all. But I cannot imagine those two characters being intimate in any way. But I digress. So he asked Daphne if she likes Cocoa Pops, and she's like, it's chocolate. Are you kidding me? So he pours her a bowl, and uh, she asks if he meant it when he invited her to stay for the summer. Yeah, and he says yes. You know, as a woman of a certain social standing (laughs) and eligibility – she should probably have a coming out party. But he says it in this like awfully belabored, stuttering way. And he's like, I just have a woman and the stature, yeah. the stature of a woman. And she's like, eligibility for what? And he's like, uh, for, you know, um, male suitors to, uh, <laughs> to me. <laughs> she's like, bro, what? Um And she's like, you know, it's not really my thing, but I'll think about it. And he asks if Libby ever got remarried or even dated anyone. But Daphne says that she hasn't. (sighs) And you can totally tell that Henry is still in love with this woman. Oh, yeah. He's thought about her. He still thinks about her. The feeling is very much mutual. Yeah. Um, So after their chat, he does decide to go to bed. And it's just kind of a nice moment. Yeah, he's like, I hope that your sleeping arrangements are conducive to a good night's rest. And she's like, sweet dreams, sweet we'll dreams. Dream Henry. Henry, that's, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. So then in the morning, Henry is going off to work and Daphne opens her gigantic window Huge. to call down to him. And she's like, off to work? And he's like, yes, that reminds me, we need to get you a dress for this ball on Saturday. And Clarissa opens her giant-ass window and offers to help. But then Glynis opens her giant-ass window and is like, don't worry, I already made arrangements with my designers. Mm -mm. There's a gown hanging in your room. It's fabulous. And Henry is like, thank you, ladies. I trust you to show Daphne the ropes. Give her some pointers. Fake as fuck. See you later. He bounces and the ladies all close their giant-ass windows. Cut to... This nasty ass dress that Daphne is stuck with. It's like elephant shit color. It's not a flattering. Yeah, it's like a green. What would that be called? Like a green. Chiffon. 
it's like a veil material that is over the actual dress and it's super frumpy yeah. and like a, it's chiffon oh not cute mm-hmm. glennis clearly was like yeah you're gonna wear this nasty ass <laughs> dress that i got for you once again siri play sabotage Yeah, and it's coming from Clarissa and her mother, and that sucks. Mm -hmm. So Clarissa does decide to come in. She's like, the dress is very you. And since Henry asked me to give you some pointers, um, I'm going to give you two. One, go home. Two, keep your grimy paws off Armistead. Armistead is gross. (laughs) Armistead is like a sexual predator. Yeah. Daphne says – that she needs to wake up and realize she's designer, I'm vintage. You know, you have a mansion and I have a fifth floor walk-up. You're snotty little Miss Cranky Pants and I go with the flow. Why would you ever think we have the same taste in men? True. Yeah. And she tells her to get over herself and stop trying to be my daddy's little girl because I'm not going anywhere. Yep. Clarissa is shaken to her core. Later in the day, Daphne is hanging out with Jocelyn, who is shooting clay pigeons. She tells Daphne not to worry about Clarissa. I think she's like, she's just a silly twit who's threatened by you. (laughs) And she says that Clarissa and her mom are about to catapult socially. And like, that's all that's important to them. It's just like gaining favor. And she says that a lot of people will be rooting for Daphne to fail. But that's what makes it so fun. Daphne then tries to shoot a clay pigeon and ends up falling on her ass. And I think that Gran makes like a joke about like, oh, is that how you won the war or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. So then Daphne goes back upstairs and puts on the dress again and grabs some scissors and is like, hmm, what magic can I work on this thing? Fast forward to the ball. Henry, Clarissa, and Glynis are announced as they enter. Then Daphne waits upstairs with Jocelyn as they're about to go on um, and, you know, be introduced at this ball. She reminds her of the family motto, Vincit qui qui patitur, <laughs> which means he conquers who endures. Um, or in she's like, or as you Americans might say, you know, hang in there and y'all rock. <laughs> What? That sounds like a solid uh, translation. So Lady um, Jocelyn Dashwood is announced and Daphne approaches. She whispers to the title announcer and he announces her as Miss Daphne Reynolds of 413 Mulberry Street, (laughs) Chinatown, New York. (laughs) Daphne starts descending the stairs and she takes off her cloak Mm. to reveal the gorgeous blue satin gown that she somehow fashioned from the old dress. Everyone is gushing over how good she looks. The paps take a ton of photos and Henry comes to save her once the media circus begins. Yes. So inside the ballroom, 
is peach and pear or wood. It is their coming out ball Mm -hmm. that we are at. Apparently their dad is obsessed with this chandelier that he owns. And if you look at it for too long, he will corner you and tell you the story of how it like belonged to Napoleon or something like that. Armistead then comes up to Daphne and Henry and asks like Henry's permission to ask her to dance. Yeah. Nasty. He's a nasty man. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Clarissa and her friends are shit talking once again Mm And when her friend is like, well, she is 39th in line for the throne. And Clarissa's like, 38 people would have to die for her to be queen. And her other friend's like, well, it's less than your 72. So Mm. Armistead is dancing with Daphne and he's bragging about how women are always drawn to him and how he's so fascinating. They just can't keep their hands off of him. He is really delusional. This kid's fucking delusional. And why would Clarissa... I guess she has her own problems, but dog, this is not a lovable guy. No, he's so unappealing in like every way. Every way. Yeah, just repulsive. So he then tries to like feel Daphne up and like touch her ass and she moves his hand back up. And who does she hear singing on stage? Nine Shining Armor. Ian? Oh my God. He's in the band. So she... Like, tries to go up to him, but Armistead, like, tries to dance her around, but she keeps, like, staring at Ian until eventually she breaks away from him and just goes up to the stage, and Ian is singing directly to her, like, they are locked in eye contact. (laughs) You're, like, giving me the finger right now. You're, like, they're locked in. (laughs) They are locked in. Um, (laughs) He finishes the song and then just, like, leaves the stage. He's, like, all right, taking a 10. I was, like, bro – you're not even going to talk to her? You just like <laughs> you just like I fucked while singing to this girl you and you're really like, did. "Okay, I'm going to I'm going to take a break. See ya." Bye. So Daphne decides to go up and talk to Peach and Pear. Um and she asks if, you know, that's their real names. And she's like, "Yeah, um our mom was really obsessed with naming her kids after fruits and vegetables." And Clarissa says that pumpkin and gourd would have been more appropriate rude as hell yeah clarissa and her friends are over it they decide to bail like the party is boring and daphne makes it her mission now to make the party exciting she's like you know this party is hopping and it's not like old people falling asleep (laughs) it's really bad so Daphne leaves the twins and goes outside where she runs into Ian, even though she was clearly looking for him, and tells him that the song is really beautiful. And they kind of like sit on the steps and chat a little bit. And he's like, he makes a like a Cinderella comment about like a glass slipper. He's like, are you going to disappear on me again? And she's like, no, like I found my dad. I'm here to stay. And Ian comments on how, you know, his song might have been beautiful, but not enough to really save this boring party and daphne's like well maybe we should liven it up a little bit and he's like maybe that'll get me fired and she's (laughs) like for me and he's like yeah absolutely yeah got me i will follow you to the ends of the earth so they go back inside he gets on stage with his band and they play a little james brown a little get up off of that thing get up off of that thing Daphne is the only one dancing, but she 
coerces everybody else to join. Everyone's having a great time. There's a synchronized dance yeah, break. What the fuck? We love some spontaneous choreography that everyone seems to know. Everyone is like really into the music, the dancing. The bass is booming. booming. So much so that the crystals, everything begins to shake. The chandelier begins to shake Mm -hmm. and it comes crashing to the ground. Luckily, it didn't fall on anyone and they were all safe. No one got hurt, but it shatters into like a bajillion pieces. Yeah. The dad, chandelier man, Ronald, runs up and he's like, no, my precious. And he's about to yell at Daphne. He's like, you. And Henry's like, okay, time to go. And starts to drag Daphne off as the paparazzi go absolutely insane. He is good at saving her from the paparazzi. It's true. Henry, later that evening, sits in his study once again. He parses through baby pictures of Daphne and Libby, and he smiles before he shuts the book and says, this is ridiculous. He's clearly going through an emotional moment. Yeah. He decides to visit Daphne in her bedroom. That sounds weird. He (laughs) wants to just like go in and see his daughter. And so he comes in, sees this moon and star tattoo on her neck, and he smiles to himself a second and then leaves. Was there like a significance to like that? Was that – I like didn't really understand that moment. I guess I just figured it was because he was reminiscing with the photo album. And then he was just like – I think he's – We don't focus on it as much, but, like, he is now a father in the story. Yeah. So he just develops a lot of, like, sentimentality for Daphne pretty quickly. Yeah. That's what I thought, but I was like, is this, like, a symbol that I'm supposed to be familiar with or was this, like, referenced earlier or something? But I don't think so. That makes sense. So then in the morning, Glynis is having a fit about how the papers have all reported, you know, what happened at the ball, the chandelier fiasco. And Henry is like, honestly, I don't know a single person who isn't relieved that that chandelier is gone. Huh. <laughs> and Glynis is also shook by the fact that Henry is bravely eating his Cocoa Pops for breakfast. He said, fuck you, Glynis. Yeah. Daphne comes downstairs. Clarissa is being just horrible as per usual. And the butler ends up accidentally... <laughs> pouring tea on her shoes she's like my loafers (laughs) yeah and him and henry and daphne all share a little smile daphne then apologizes to henry about last night and glennis is like where on earth did you even find that revolting song and henry is like it's james brown 1976 charted at number 14 and she looks at him like what and he's like i have no idea where that came from Henry's a chiller. Oh, yeah. He's just been beaten down by this woman. Yeah. So the phone rings and Glennis decides to pick it up. Henry and Daphne eat their toast and they pick up the butter, um, put the butter on the toast, put the jam on the toast, fold it up in the exact same way. And Glennis is watching this internally <laughs> fuming, freaking out. She's like, this yeah. is it. I, I can't like – my plans are ruined. This bitch has ruined everything for me. <laughs> Apparently, they had to film that like an insane amount of times. So they had to eat a lot of toast. Ugh. So Daphne takes this time to get to know Henry better. And she asks about his music tastes. 
um, you know, what he listened to in the 70s. And then Glennis interrupts them. Very rude. Because he has an appointment at Westminster. So he's like, oh, I'll have to go. And then the butler comes in saying that Ian is here to see Daphne. (gasps) Mm Mm-hmm. And she's like, don't let him in. I'm not cute yet. And she runs off to get ready. So Henry is leaving the manor when he notices there's a motorcycle outside. Yeah. And then he hears a behind him. It's Ian just chilling in the front room. He's here to pick up Daphne. They shake hands. And Henry is like, who are you? And Ian is like, I was in the band last night. I'm a friend of Daphne. He's like, you and Daphne are. And he's like, eloping together? Yes, we are. (laughs) And Henry's like, "Mm, that's that's a joke. And he's like, yes. (laughs) Thankfully, Henry also finds it to be kind of funny. Yes, yeah. He does have a little chuckle. Daphne then comes out and grabs Ian's hand and is like, oh, my God, hey, see ya, Henry. And they bounce. Bye, they hop on his back. bike. See, smell you later, Henry. Yeah. <laughs> they hop on his bike and drive off. Henry is absolutely terrified and runs back inside. Ian and Daphne, um, they go to what I'm assuming is the Camden Market. Yeah. And they just look through the different stalls and obviously they're saying random shit and he's like, yeah, this place is some really neat stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> you're at a stall. Like, how neat can it be? He does buy her some bangles. She's very mm. excited about it. Yeah, I did have bangles like that growing up. I wore them oh all my the God. time. Me too. Me yeah. too. I have bangles in my parents' house right now. Yeah. Yeah, so they just hang out, go around. She tries on a couple of different, like, sarongs and stuff. They leave the market, and she thanks him for their hangout today. She says she really needed it, and that from now on, she's going to behave like an impeccable young lady, but she needs his help. Yes, so Anne and Daphne get on this little boat, and she's trying to, like, balance and like stand properly and ian is like giving her some pointers and then he demonstrates like how well he can stand on this boat and she's like how did you learn how to do that and he's like well actually my mother was a deb but she married down and her parents disowned her whoa yeah just fucking awful Mm mm-hmm Apparently, they took pity on him as – I think he refers to himself as, like, the half-breed grandson or something like that. Yeah, the muggle. No, please don't do that. I'm not. No. <laughs> so, apparently, they paid for him to go to, like, the best schools and got him into all the right clubs until he realized, like, the hypocrisy of it all and was mm-hmm. like, you know what? This isn't for me. So, Ian says his parents are as poor as church mice, but – They're the happiest people he knows. Mm -hmm. Daphne tries to balance on this boat on her own. She struggles a second, and then they both fall into the lake together. Oh, my God. They lay down together in the boat. And he asks her why she's trying so hard to fit in (sighs) when she was born to stand out. Ian said, I will stand by and love a bad bitch forever. He's like, I'm validating your feelings that you are the main character. Yes. Which is pretty special. So they kiss. 
Okay. And it's yes. pretty steamy. It is. I was like. It's also like a, it's a very slow lean in. Like he starts to lean in, mm-hmm. waits for her to also lean in. Yeah. 90-10. Is that the thing? Yes. Yeah. 90-10. Yeah. It's a very steamy kiss. I I loved this scene. It also reminded me a little bit of Bridget Jones with the like boat falling in the water. Yeah. Type of thing. Loved it. I agree. Yeah, I thought almost the way they were doing it was so slow. I was like, oh, they're about to get like interrupted. Like something's going to happen. But no, it's just but a really sensual <laughs> kiss in this teen movie. Oh my gosh. To be 17 in London and like this. Hot, I know, I know. Also, 17 year old musician is like, you're born to stand out. Oh my God. I'm like swooning already. You're unique and beautiful and you're so special. No one's ever, no one alive has ever been like you. <laughs> and you're like, like your what? head is this big suddenly. <laughs> yeah. So then we cut back to New York City where Libby gets a very frantic phone call from Henry about how Daphne rode off on a motorcycle with some boy five hours ago and hasn't been heard from since. And she's like, uh-huh. And he's like freaking out about this boy. And she's mm-hmm. like, so she went on a, a date? And he's like, supposedly, I mean, he's in some band or something. And she reminds him that back in the day, she used to spend a lot of time on the back of his motorcycle. And yeah. he's like, that was different. And I'm like, it wasn't. no, it wasn't. <laughs> and he's like freaking out. And she's like, it's strange, isn't it? How easy the worrying comes. And he's like, does it ever go away? And she says, no. Mm. And I'm just like, why don't you two talk about what's going on with you and let's get this romance rekindled because there's clearly something there. Undertones are prevalent in the conversation. You clearly both want to co-parent the 17-year-old daughter, so you should do it and dump your fiancé. Mm. Thank you. I am trained. <laughs> then Glennis is like, Henry. So he has to hang up. Yeah, and Glennis is a big news is that she's been fucking phoning Bedouin chiefs. Oh, my God. And um, got a translator. And apparently, depending on the type of drums played at the ceremony, he and Libby might not have been married at all. Isn't that good news? Bitch, what? <laughs> Stop typing, Glennis. So next up, the whole fam goes to this very fancy schmancy regatta And Ian is there. He's the valet. A man of a million talents. So many hats. So many jobs. Yes. Him and Daphne say hello. He says she looks beautiful. And she's like, I have to be on my best behavior. You know, lots of press here. They're waiting to see what I'll do next. And he's like, yeah, you might do something crazy like kiss the guy who parks the cars. And she's like, ooh. Starts to lean in. But of course fucking Armistead comes over and he's like, Daphne, the press wants a photo of you and your father. So she leaves. And Armistead calls Ian a peasant and says that Daphne is out of his league. Brutal. And this is where we find out that actually Ian and Armistead went to school together. Mm -hmm. They grew up together. And he's like, I thought we left this competition behind in grade school. 
and asks if he's afraid that Daphne prefers musicians to Cambridge boys. Burn. Burn. And Armistead says that breeding always wins in the end. Fucking what kind of eugenics ass weird garbage is that? Yeah. So the paps are back and they ask Henry how the campaign is going. Mm. You know, Henry feels overwhelmed. He's like balancing his new daughter, his campaign. What will happen? I don't know. Back to the regatta. Clarissa and her girl gang um, see Peach and Pear, who look amazing. Yeah. They got new dresses. They're looking great. And Mm -hmm. Clarissa's like, what? And she tells them that Daphne gave them styling tips. And they look over, see a pair of (laughs) twins, kind of like do like a wink, wink, wave, wave. And the twins come over and they walk off arm in arm. So like Peach and Pear are getting it. Honestly, that's that's the kind of energy, that's the kind of vibe I want this summer. Yeah, and over by the dock, Daphne is using her binoculars to stare at Ian. And of course, Armistead's like, this is my time to come over and annoy the <laughs> shit out of this girl. Yeah. So he comes to chat with her and she's like, aren't you supposed to be uh, courting Clarissa? And he starts calling Ian a commoner, insulting him. She tells him to put his lip over his head and swallow it. Pretty mm-hmm. gnarly. Armistead says he finds her Yankee vulgarity in- intensely attractive Ugh. and starts touching her arm and telling her to forget that car parking mixed race. Okay, this is actually really awful. Yeah. He calls Ian a car parking mixed race mongrel and horrible yeah really bad he tells um daphne to give him the kiss that she's been longing to since they first met (sighs) so she says but he's right she has been longing to do this and pretends to lean in for a kiss and then pushes his ass in the water oh yeah yeah she starts a popping off on him like screaming at him the press is having a field day henry is like oh dear and drags her off they run out of the regatta as all the paparazzi are chasing them yeah they then run up to ian and he asks for the keys to ian's bike (laughs) they hop on they ride off he like Almost kills a fucking woman who falls into a (laughs) fountain. He ends up plowing through, like, the garden where the regatta celebrations are happening. And they manage to escape by, like, driving off through the garden. It's a pretty rough exit, I will say. Yeah. Thousands of dollars worth of damage. (laughs) So Henry says um, that was the most undecorous thing he's done in years. And they've actually made it to this little playground Mm -hmm. type thing. It's a park, I'm sure. Um, And they're just hanging out together. And Daphne is on the swing set. She tells him that he should do it more often. Then Henry says that she talks like Libby. What did she – she says something specific. She talks about the sand in the – yeah. She's like, I love the feeling of sand like falling over my feet. My mom always said if you can walk on sand and you have a steady hand with a brush, there's never a need to get a pedicure. Yeah. And Henry's like, oh, wow, you talk just like Libby. And he asks if Libby's happy. (gasps) Big question. Mm, Yeah. Stephanie tells him that 
Libby is content with who she is and that Daphne says that she wishes um, she was more like that. Yeah. But she does mention that she does get lonely sometimes. So, Henry, the door is open. You just got to walk through it. So then we get a sweet little father-daughter bonding montage. They go back to Camden Market, and she gives him the choice between a henna tattoo or a piercing. So he picks the henna tattoo, of course. He's, like, screaming in the stall. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, it doesn't hurt. It's henna. It doesn't hurt you. Um, And then we see, like, Daphne's trying on all these different outfits having a great time henry tries on some sunglasses he's just being generally very adorable Mm -hmm. they end up going up to the stand with a bunch of records and they talk about music and daphne puts on a record and starts dancing and she's trying to get henry to headbang with her and i was like oh my (laughs) god Harry headbanger a la Mamma Mia. Oh. Yeah. They then ride the motorbike back to the manor where, of course, the paparazzi are waiting once again. So they go around the corner and Daphne shows him how to scale the wall to get into the grounds. So um, Henry then goes up to his room. He puts on a black sleeveless shirt and some tight tight, tight leather pants and dances around in the mirror. What an adorable man Colin Firth is. I love him so much. He also is wearing an earring, which is really just the icing on the cake for me. So Glynis walks in and she's shocked. Um, And Henry says that he just wanted to see if if his pants still fit. (laughs) Glynis is on the verge of... She's so dramatic. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's on the verge of tears, just like, what have you done with my fiancé? I want my Henry back. It's mad annoying. Like, he had no personality before. You want that back? Yes, of course she does, because she's not marrying to like someone. She's marrying because she's like, oh, gotta get- Money, money, money. Money. (laughs) Fucking money, 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 money. (laughs) But Glennis leaves, and Henry goes back to dancing and rocking out in the mirror. So then the next day, Henry is going into work and the press are hounding him about how he has dropped in the polls and people are doubting his skills to handle the government if he can't even handle his own daughter. So he gets to his office where the receptionist tells him that his first two clients of the day were no-shows and that the Children's Education Center canceled his speech. Bummer. So things are not looking good. Um, He even walks into a room and like, Every single man goes completely silent and they just stare at him. Yeah. Henry asks Daphne to speak with him and he brings her to this huge hall of portraits. He says that every family member seems to have lost an appendage and he spouts a list of, oh, like that guy lost an arm. This guy lost a leg. Mm -hmm. And he says um, that he's enjoyed their time together, but that as his daughter, she has to change. So she says um, that she understands, you know, she's a Dashwood too. So then we have a montage of Daphne drabbing down. Um, She gets rid of all of her cool clothes, removes her black nail polish with a Q-tip, which is simply impractical. Yes, exactly. You know, she covers up her tattoo, puts in some pearl earrings. Um, We see her trying out some new 
dress, pants, suit situations. Mm-hmm. And then we start to see all these newspaper headlines of how Daphne is like making her way in society and it's all really positive about how she's like transformed into this beautiful, polite young lady. Yes. And Henry is climbing in the poles once again. She then puts on some plain black heels and this god-awful pink tweed blazer skirt combo. Oh my god, I really liked it. <laughs> well, it's it's not awful. It's just she looks 45. Like, you're 17. Yeah. You don't need to be wearing that. Yeah, I, I feel you. Yeah. It's just not age-appropriate. <laughs> Would I be freaking out if someone was like, I've gotten you a, a perfect <laughs> tweed outfit? I'd be like, oh, me? <laughs> But Daphne comes downstairs, who should be there but Ian, mm-hmm. and he's like, you're wearing that to the Strokes concert, <laughs> and she's like, oh, fuck. fuck, I have to go to the Queen's Garden party, and he's like, oh, you know, no worries, like, why don't you just go upstairs and change, and she's like, no, I have to go to the Queen's Garden party. At this point, he's just pissed off, he's like... He tells her to let him know when Daphne will re-inhabit her body. Not happy. So then at the garden party, the queen is saying hello to everyone and Daphne bows to her and the queen is like, such a nice girl. Then Princess Charlotte talks to Henry about, you know, how she heard that the queen accepted the invitation to Daphne's ball and that she's come a long way. Henry must be really proud. Princess Charlotte's dog once again jumps out of her arms and runs straight to Daphne. And Daphne has to say no to picking up the dog, even though it clearly is not what she wants to do. Yeah. And Henry is sad to see that she is stifling her personality. Mm-hmm. Back at home, um, Grandma Jocelyn, Lady Dashwood, whatever you'd like to call her, sits down with Daphne. She actually gives her the tiara she wore to her coming out party, which Clarissa has been eyeing for months. Yeah. But she wants Daphne to have it. Daphne is excited to get this crown. It looks beautiful. She says it's super, like, royal. And Grand says it's not the crown that makes the queen. It's what's in your heart. Yeah. So then at Daphne's coming out ball, she is on the balcony looking down at the party. She looks absolutely amazing. She has this, like, gorgeous, long, white, strapless dress and, like, the gloves and the tiara and everything. So she walks down the staircase. Everyone is in awe. Henry smiles at her. He meets her at the bottom of the stairs, and he's like, you look, and she says, different. So they enter the ball where who is performing once again? The only Uh. singer in London, apparently. (laughs) It's Ian. She goes up to the stage and says hello to him and asks if they can talk, but he kind of just gives her the cold shoulder and Uh, asks what happened to the real her. He's quite cold with her. Yeah. So Daphne heads back towards like the entrance where she sees her mom. Aw. She showed up in this like beautiful dress. They hug Mm -hmm. and Libby reveals that Jocelyn actually invited her. And tells Daphne that she looks amazing. Yeah, it's really sweet of her. I love Lady Jocelyn. I think she's like kind of crazy, but really nice. Yeah. So Daphne says that her mother looks amazing. She's like, are you really wearing a bra? 
And Daphne and Libby go up to Henry. They exchange their first hellos in years. And Glynis obviously has to introduce herself as the fiance and calls Libby Lucy. And Libby is like, oh no, it's um Libby and congratulations on the engagement. But Glynis is a dumb hoe. So <laughs> she's like, oh, are you here without an escort, Henry? You have to find her someone, set her up with someone um, for Lubby here. Ugh. And Daphne is like, hello, can you hear? That's not her name. Yeah. She also says that Henry should just ask her to dance himself. And he does. Yes. Thank God. So Libby and Henry dance while Ian sings a beautiful little song. They kind of, you know, reminisce about the old days. Meanwhile, Alistair and Glynis are talking. He's like, everyone who was invited accepted the invitation. Like, this election is in the bag. Mm -hmm. And she's like, how can you be so calm when the queen is due to arrive any minute and he's out there dancing with her? (laughs) And he's like, don't worry. Like, Henry knows what's at stake. Like, look at what he did with Daphne. He totally transformed her. And I thought I was going to have to get rid of her like I did her mother. Of course. Bro. This is when Daphne walks up. She's like, you were the one who made my mother leave? And he's like, no, it's just a misunderstanding. And she was like, you're the reason that she left. And Glynis grabs a hold of her and drags her down the hallway. Pretty wild. And locks her in a room. Pretty wild. Insane. Meanwhile, Henry and Libby are talking about their old memories and she mentions how he had to like translate an apology for her like when they were in Morocco. He's like, oh, I could have sold you for a camel or something like that. And she says that she had faith in him and he's like, just not enough though Mm. because you just disappeared. And she's like, I thought that that was what you wanted and like, And he says that what he wanted was a chance. And she's like, you had 17 years of chances, but you never came after me. Ian announces that it's time for the traditional father-daughter dance, but Daphne is nowhere to be found. So Glennis is like, oh, I have a great idea. Why doesn't Clarissa do the father-daughter dance with you? And she's like, I'm going to be your daughter too now. Yeah. I hate that. (laughs) Libby does manage to find Daphne. And she lets her out. They go back to the ballroom, and she starts going in on Glennis. Mm-hmm. Glennis tells Daphne not to cause a scene and touches her shoulder. And Libby is like, take your hand off my daughter, or you won't have a scene. You'll have a whole Broadway musical. Yes. Then Daphne sees Henry and Clarissa dancing, and the band stops playing. Daphne walks up to Clarissa. It looks like it's going to be menacing. And Mm -hmm. you can tell Clarissa's like, I'm about to get slapped. Yeah. Clarissa asks Daphne what she's doing. And Daphne says that she's finally giving her what she deserves. And she takes off the beautiful tiara on her head, hands it over to Clarissa, who kind of snatches it as well. Yeah. Annoying. (sighs) Annoying. Yeah. And Daphne just says, I don't want it, any part of it. And Daphne runs out with Libby following her. Henry does follow them and asks him to wait, but Daphne says that she's done waiting, and she tells him how every birthday she'd get all dressed up and wished that if she was good enough, he would come and find her. Mm -hmm. But now that 
they're here and she's all dressed up. What she misses is being herself. And she finally realized that that's enough. Mm. And Henry's like, maybe we're trying to make something work here, which just... And then, dun-da-da-dun, the queen has arrived, of course. And Daphne says, go ahead, duty calls. And she leaves with her mom. Yeah. We see a montage of Libby and Daphne driving away from the house. Henry going into her room, completely empty now. Back in New York City, Daphne plays with the bracelets that Ian got her. And she sees this motorbike drive by. Obviously, it's not him. Ian looks out over the pond, just introspective. And Henry gets more midnight cocoa pops. And Daphne also makes herself a bowl, but she can't eat them. Henry also gets swarmed by this montage of paparazzi. Or actually, I think it's the press um, just asking Mm -hmm. him questions about Daphne, about his um, election, da-da-da. So then Henry is in his study. It's the middle of the night, and his mom comes in. And he says that he's made a mess of things. And she says that for six centuries, their family has been sacrificing bits of themselves for England. Arm, a leg, et cetera, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And she tells him not to follow in that tradition because if he does, he's going to end up sacrificing his heart. The next scene is a gigantic press conference. Um, I think there's like a bunch of constituents from the area that he is running in. I have no idea how the English like. (laughs) I I feel like this is not how English politics like i feel like this is not a correct representation if anyone knows please please let us know let us know because i feel like this is incorrect i don't know a doggone thing right now i am (laughs) talking out of my ass (laughs) but he comes up and he gives a speech to the press and whatnot and he says that he's received more support for his campaign in the past few weeks than he could have hoped for But there have been some remarks in the press about how his behavior isn't fitting for a member of parliament. And he's been thinking about his priorities and it's time to set them straight, which is why he is renouncing his candidacy. (gasps) Oh my God. Yeah. So Henry says that representing them would be an honor, but impossible to do if he's not serving his own conscience. He says... I've changed, and as important as my political aspirations are to me, there's one thing that matters more. Thank you. And he walks out with his head held high. Some people do stand for him. They respect his decision. The aftermath, if that's what you're (laughs) wondering. Yeah, the aftermath happens next. (laughs) So Alistair is like, are you out of your mind? He doesn't even sound like that. I'm sorry. Are you out of your mind? There we go. Maybe closer to that. Yeah. He sounds like, uh, you know, an older gentleman. And he's like, I have done everything to get you to this position. And he is like, you've lied to me. You, I know you lied to Libby. So forgive me if I don't give a flying fart in space what you think. Oh, my God. That reminds me of this. (laughs) There's this video I saw on TikTok of like, the Canadian, like, parliament, like, people are all meeting. Yeah. And this representative from Alberta, she says, 
Why is everyone acting like Alberta is a fart in the room that nobody wants to talk about? <laughs> it, like, goes off. That's so funny. <laughs> a like, fart in the room that nobody wants to talk You, Hey, that's why we're ignoring Alberta. Because of this shit. And this other woman is like, like puts I don't I don't remember I don't know what the official language is but she's like you may want to like recount a certain word that you just said um f a r t and the woman's like are you kidding me? I'm like what episode of Parks and Rec is this I don't remember this of a certain f a r t bitch you don't fart <laughs> excuse me it was so funny. I was just like, this country isn't real. I live in a Monopoly country. It's not real. <laughs> Monopoly money. You go to the store, you're like, hey, mate, forgot my my gold coin, my toonie, and my loony. I, I cannot believe that that's what you think a Canadian accent sounds like. <laughs> I think that I'm so... <laughs> Hey, mate. <laughs> I'm doing a Wisconsin accent. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. Oh my god. But but the coin what are the coins called though? What are the coins? They are yeah. called loonies and toonies. <laughs> Monopoly money. Anyways, yeah, uh, the continue, podcast. continue. So <laughs> Alistair says that he stopped him from ruining his life and reputation. And when he found out Libby was pregnant, he knew he was doing the right thing. <sighs> he knew the whole time. Uh, I would be. I would set his. I would set his life on fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I would enter my reputation era. Yeah. So Henry punches him clearly. And Glennis is like, yeah. I know daddy's been naughty, but what about me? And he's like, you'll survive. Dump. Oh, immediate dump. Trauma. Yeah. Trauma. Someone call someone. <laughs> Damn. Double homicide. Yeah. So then back in America, I forgot the name of the country for a moment. Back in America. <laughs> Libby and Daphne are working a wedding, and Daphne is trying to fill out a college application on the fly yeah. while serving, I guess, because it's due on Monday. It is announced that it is time once again for the father-daughter dance. Daphne is bummed, but is like, you know what? I just got to focus on me. So she goes back to her application. Mm -hmm. The music is playing. The intro is playing. Libby looks out onto the water in a boat moseys on up oh my god who is standing on it but henry libby is in shock she like freezes and doesn't sing daphne looks up and sees him too mm -hmm. so henry comes up to daphne and says that he has something very important to say and he wrote it down 200 times on the plane he's like fumbling with his like papers and tickets and stuff that he's scribbled all his notes on and says that what it comes down to is that he loves Daphne and he says he's sorry and that he wouldn't change anything about her, not one hair on her head. Oh. This did make me cry, which I was not expecting because I've never cried watching this movie, but oh, I was like, really? oh my God. Yeah, it's pretty it's yeah. pretty like beautiful moment. And mm -hmm. um Daphne tells him that she loves him and they hug. Libby sees it from the stage and she's crying. Um, and then Henry asks her to dance, so she finally gets... Ugh, finally. Yeah. 
finally they get get to do the father-daughter dance. And Henry says that he also brought a present and who should show up but Ian himself. uh, Of course. Your hot English boyfriend. Yes. Coming to America. (laughs) Um, So then Henry goes up to Libby. She says that he never wanted her to go, did he? And he says that he owes her a huge apology and she says that she didn't wait 17 years for an apology <laughs> and they make out passionately. She's like, I've been celibate for 17 years, baby. For I'm going to need more than that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And we hear the narration of Daphne. She's like, things aren't exactly how you always imagined. They're even better. And you think the movie's over, but it's not. And Daphne says, just in case you're wondering what happened to Clarissa and Glynis, Clarissa did, in fact, end up marrying Armistead, who literally, as they're taking their wedding photos, he is squeezing the ass of one of the bridesmaids Uh, uh, because he's a fucking predator and gross. And we also see that Glynis is now with the chandelier man, Mm -hmm. and Alistair ends up as a tour guide on one of the tour buses. So Henry and Libby got legally married in Morocco, hopefully, they say. (laughs) And um, Daphne didn't end up at NYU because she got into Oxford, like father, like daughter. And I believe that Ian is also at Oxford or at least mulling around in the general area. Well, I th- yeah, I, I think he's just like hanging out. Yeah. Um, and like, I, I don't doubt that Daphne is smart and has good grades, but. Oxford. NYU, Oxford, different academic requirements. Um, I think that her father, not only being an alum, but also being who he is, probably played a big role in uh, that acceptance. Nepotism, tomato, tomato, potato, potato. (laughs) Um, But in the end, the last thing we see is the whole family, Libby, Henry, Lady Dashwood, Ian and and the butler, Daphne, yeah, and Percy and Percy yeah. all having dinner or lunch maybe at Dashwood Manor, and that is what a girl wants. So, what did you think? I controversial. I was I wasn't underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I was just like appropriately whelmed. You cried <laughs> by this movie. I did cry, which I really wasn't expecting. I think that also is because I have not seen my parents in like a year and a half, which is, you know, hard. But yeah, it's just not, it's not my favorite Amanda Bynes movie. I'm much more like a she's the man type of gal. Mm -hmm. So like I enjoyed it, but I wasn't like particularly like, like surprised or like particularly impressed rewatching it back, which that actually surprised me more. Mm -hmm. The fact that I wasn't super into it. Interesting, because I really like this movie. Mm-hmm. I do think that Amanda Bynes is one of the funniest comedians of the early 2000s. Yeah, I agree. If we wanted to be technical about it, she should have been on SNL with Keenan Thompson. I agree. So there's that. But mm-hmm. I do think that she did play a good dramatic character in this movie. Um, I think her por- performance was incredibly like endearing mm-hmm. um, and appropriately funny. And I just feel like she really made me believe that Libby and Henry were her parents and like their connections with each other. So I really appreciated that. And then like the romance aspect, 
But I guess altogether, like the components coming together, I wasn't on the same level as like maybe even just Uptown Girls, for <laughs> yeah. example, for a, a more dramatic story. But yeah, I love my girl Amanda Bynes. And Colin Firth is no joke, obviously, is an Oscar. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy their performances a lot. It's it's interesting because I do like She's the Man, but like, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just a t- such a different genre. Yeah, I think it just, um, I mean, I've always liked this movie, but it's never like held a super special place in my heart like mm-hmm. some of the other ones that we've covered have. I don't know. I kind of wish that we got a little bit more than just like one or like, I guess, two instances of like Daphne and... Henry like getting to spend time together and like talk. Yeah, I agree. I agree there. Yeah, I felt like we could have used more development of that relationship. Like I would have been fine to sacrifice some of like the stupid Glynis Clarissa stuff to have more moments with them because then I would just be more invested and understand like Mm. what is special about their bond because we got glimpses of it with like the music and like the food and stuff like that. But I would have loved to see that depth a little bit more. I got you. But I do think that the performances were like pretty solid across the board. I mean, Amanda's Mm -hmm. always great. Colin is always great. Yeah. I think another thing that I really like about her performance is that she really does like the girl next door thing in an amazing way. I feel like Amanda Bynes always manages to be this girl that you want to be. I don't even know if you want to be her specifically, but just like be her friend. Oh, totally. And you're not jealous of her. Yeah. You know, like you're really just like, wow, you're cool. And that's kind of the sentiment that everyone has in the movie, like Peach and Pear. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, she gave us like tips. Like she was really kind. And I think having a character like that to watch in a movie, which we didn't get, for example, in The Click. (laughs) Yeah. Was really nice to see. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that she was like a nice uh, protagonist to root for. Mm -hmm. It's also it's it's different from what we usually see with movies in this genre where it's like a girl like coming into herself and finding her confidence. This is more of like she had it all along and then it got like stamped down like her individuality and her personality gets like pushed down and then she kind of just goes back to who she was in the beginning by the end. Mm -hmm. But with a with a greater sense of self, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, because I do agree she goes in really confident. Mm -hmm. I think the difference from when she starts to when she ends is that she realizes that her father is like incredibly important to her, but not so important Mm -hmm. that she needs to sacrifice any of her personhood and like her life. um, That if he really loves her, like he will be able to do so regardless. Yeah. And it once again reminded me a little bit of in Mamma Mia how um sophie's character she invites like her dads to her wedding she feels like she doesn't know who she is without knowing who her dad is and then it's like the realization that like it's in you all along Mm and had like a similar arc for sure yeah i don't know why i'm so lukewarm on it because like so (laughs) many of the elements like work for what i usually like but i was just kind of like yeah i mean i got you sometimes it doesn't hit like sometimes there's just like That je ne sais quoi missing. Yeah. Shall we rate it? Yeah. I'm going to go with a six. Oh, wow. She hated it, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I didn't. I didn't. It's just like slightly above average. Maybe 6.5. 6.5. I want to give it a 7.5. So (laughs) 
I would say, do you want to go to seven? But I don't know if you do. Well, if I go with 6.5 and you go with 7.5, wouldn't it be a seven? Yeah, technically. Yeah. I just feel like <laughs> you were generous and you're 6.5 already. I'm like. Well, I said six originally because I was like slightly above average. And I was like, well, I gave the click a five. And it's definitely more than just one step above yeah, the click. I would agree with that. Okay. So a seven yeah. from us. Yeah. Still far above High School Musical 2. Rest in peace, <laughs> High School Musical 2. Oh, my God. Well, well, thank you for joining us for what I can only expect will be a podcast about the movie and then also us having meltdowns. <laughs> yep. Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to <laughs> if you like rate, my freak review, out. and subscribe. <laughs> Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you give us a little written review, we will give you a shout out in the next episode where we pick the movie montage song for your life. So you're definitely going to want to do that. Yes. And you can follow us on social media. Um, you can follow us on TikTok. It's at Movies That Raised Us Pod. You can shoot us an email, you know, tell us about your hopes and dreams, ask us for relationship advice, constructive criticism. Um, is welcome if you're not a jackass. The email is <laughs> moviesthatraisedus at gmail.com. Yes, and you can find us on Instagram at moviesthatraisedus and on Twitter at mtru underscore pod. And we'll see you next week for another movie. Hell yeah. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.